As you know, Tony, his wife, Oz Hussaini, their daughters are here from Mexico. Um, they have been, uh, we've been a part, they've been a part of Life Church for, for decades now, and it's cool to have relationships that are solid. And uh, the mission statement of presenting the gospel, that's, that's cool to be aligned to. So just a heads up, everybody, um, you've got envelopes nearby and, and uh, a love offering. We've got uh, the giving boxes throughout the building. Make sure you're, uh, you're generous and uh, drop it in, the, in those boxes marking other. There's other on the envelope. And you can put Tony's name in there, T-O-N-Y, <laughs> case you need some That's how it is. That's in Spanish, right? T-O-N-Y? Huh? Is that it? <laughs> yeah, man. So, so uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. It's cool. So, anyway, um, let's give a warm welcome to Tony as he comes. When Pastor Bob laughs at his own jokes, it's funnier. It's funnier than his actual joke. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, when you guys were online, I was, I, I, well, you're still online. Hey, everybody that's online. But when you guys were fully online, I was watching your services, uh, and, and, and I would just laugh that Pastor Bob laughs at his own jokes. <laughs> and that his daughter, because I, I, I wrote Tori, and I was laughing. I said, oh, your dad, I'm watching. He laughs at his own jokes. And then she sends me a video of him watching himself from home, <laughs> laughing, laughing at his jokes. And that was even funnier to me. So, oh, man. I like there in the video uh, that a lot, of, a lot of babies are being born and uh, churches are growing all, all over, those that are open. Um, our, our church, too, down in, in Mexico, a lot of babies are being born. And I think, wow, the, the quarantine in March and April and May. <laughs> what was everybody doing? Well, now we know they weren't praying. Uh, so <laughs> with that, let's pray and get started. See, that was funny, and you didn't laugh at that. That was real funny. I'm even laughing. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time that we have here in your house. Thank you for a wonderful church that's open, has their doors open, and place to come and worship together and grow in you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We pray that you bless this time. Um, and we open our hearts and open our minds to receive what you have for us. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, so last time I was with you guys was last year in February, uh, and I shared with you that after 18 years of living in Topeak, Mexico, we moved to Aguascalientes, uh, Mexico, about six hours or so from Topeak to start a new church. It was a hard decision to make and it was a hard move for us we're church planters and we've primarily been based for all those 18 years out of Topeka planting churches in smaller towns and this was a 
big step for us to move to a city and start another main church where we can also now plant churches out of. Uh, put our house up for sale. I think it was hard for our kids to make that move with their friends. We went to a city uh, that we didn't know anybody there. Um, and it was, it was all brand new when I was with you guys in February. Uh, we had just, we moved out of, like, we, we started the, the services in our house. And by the grace of God, people showed up. Uh, a lot of people that we outgrew our house within the first few weeks. And I rented a building. And we started services there. I think we had one service. And I came here with you guys. Uh, and then I got back. We had two more services in that building. And then this world pandemic hit. And I, I don't know if you guys have ever been part of a church plant, but it's not easy. Uh, planting a church is not easy, and it's definitely not easy <laughs> during a world pandemic. It makes it a little bit harder when you have to shut down, in a sense, and we moved to video. But I had just rented this building, which was a 1000 U.S. dollars a month, and I thought, how are we going to pay this? How are we going to do this? What? Why is this happening? I think everybody here went through that at some point in, the, in 2020. Why is this happening? What is going on? And by the grace of God, we have an awesome video crew and people that started we started getting services online right away. And I began, since the church was not being used, I began building it out, doing the drywall, doing a bunch of stuff to get the church ready for when we could eventually open the doors. And our online uh, audience had begun to grow. And my wife and I were visiting different families and praying for people and trying everything we could to just keep this church going. Um, we opened up the doors again at the beginning of August, and we've been meeting since then, since August, in person. Uh, we went to two services so we could fit everybody good in the church, because when we went back in August, we were now three times the size than we were in February before we had closed the doors. It had grown so much. And we were just blown away because we have planted churches in towns for so long that we're just used to kind of, you know, three elderly ladies and four dogs and maybe a guy show up every once in a while drunk and we have to, you know, uh, help them through the service. And, and so now we have families showing up. So when we opened up in August and all these people now are going to the church and since then, um, both our services have been packed out. We're, we've been, we have not stopped growing since then. That everything that I built during the quarantine time, all the drywall, everything that I put up, I built a coffee area and I built our auditorium and did all of that. Three weeks ago, I had to tear it all down <laughs> just to fit everybody inside of the building. Give God some praise. I mean, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> It was it was uh, it was a bittersweet moment because I had built all of that and we were excited because we were growing, but at the same time it was a bummer because I you know I had built all of that and so 
we, we continue to grow. We continue every single week to see new people come in and people getting saved. Uh, I think people want to be back at church. I think people want to be together. I think people need that that community. Uh, I told Pastor Bob last night, our, we have a time between each service, uh, you know, about 45 minutes. And then after the second service, we don't have a third one. So we have plenty of time. We have coffee and people hang out. Those times are actually longer than the actual service. Uh, and and I, I've, I've gone down and I've just laid down in my office. I feel bad to run people out because I know they want to be there. I want to go home and eat. And, 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 but I let people, we just let people hang out. Uh, we have started a, a youth group and the youth group has been growing. We've continued with um, a women's ministry and a marriage thing that we did in February. Every single thing that we do just gets packed out. Uh, and we've honestly, guys, we have seen the hand of God on this. We've paid all of the bills. We actually, uh, starting March 1st, starting tomorrow, I paid it just before we came here. Uh, I put the deposit down to rent the floor above us because we're growing so much and we need to move our kids ministry now to this second floor that's above us. And that was a big step of faith. I, I just, we're going to do this. We're growing and it is more money, but hey, we're going to go for this. And, and that morning that I, I texted the lady, uh, um, you know, meet me at the church. I'm going to give you the deposit and all that. I get a text from a church that has supported us in the ministry for years, for over 15 years. And I get a text from the pastor saying, hey, give me a call. And so I met the lady. I gave her the deposit. And then I called the pastor who informed us that they're unfortunately cutting a lot of our support. And I, I thought for a moment, why? Why is this happening right now? But I think I've thought that throughout most of 2020, and God has always provided. And God has always taught me something in this. And God has showed me through this whole time that it's not about me. It's not even about my scheduling or planning or anything. We had this whole plan. I had this whole plan. I'm a church planter. I know what I'm doing. I had this whole plan written out for the beginning of 2020 and none of I did none of it zero zero and praise God because I think my plan would have been horrible compared to what God has been doing and so there was this just peace that came over me that hey we're still going to get through this and and this is still a step of faith that we're taking um we've seen people every single week get saved um, people raising their hand to receive the Lord. We, right after we had opened in August, I think in September, uh, the neighbor uh, called me. They have a, a business right next door to us. They sell carpeting and stuff. And the neighbor called me and said, Tony, there's a big hole in the back of your building. Uh, I think somebody broke in. And I got real nervous. I got there, and with a sledgehammer, they broke the, the brick 
to get into our building because we have a major locks on the front door and everything and they wanted to get in and they, they literally broke a hole in the building so they could get in and, and rob us. And I, again, I just saw that hole and the first thing I thought again was why? Why? World pandemic, we're just opening and now we're getting robbed, why? And so I called the police, I walked inside with the police, I waited for them to get there before I went in, thinking maybe they were still in the building, and I walked in with the police, and the police said, you know, you need to start filling out everything that you see missing, and I walked through, and I, I couldn't find anything. I just, the computers were there, and the cameras, and, and everything, and I thought, maybe they just were sleeping. Maybe they broke in because they want to sleep here, because I don't see anything missing. I noticed in the back then our offering box was missing, but it, it was empty, uh, so they stole. I mean, I made the box. I was a little mad because I made the box, and it was good wood. I bought good wood, good plywood to make that box, and I was a little bugged about that, but hey, God bless them. They needed a box. You know, let's bless them with that box. And, and, and then I couldn't find anything else, so I told the police, thank you, and I, I covered up the hole, and the neighbors had... Uh, a few of the neighbors, they knew right away. They said, oh, it's, it's, it's so-and-so. It's these guys down the street, they're the neighborhood thieves, they're the neighborhood thugs, and, and, and they're down in this house down there. We guarantee it was those guys. That's a, that's a tough house there, and they've been arrested many times. And Well, that night we had worship practice, and my daughter called me up and said, Dad, Where's the keyboard? And I was like, oh, that's what it was. I didn't notice. I didn't, I didn't think to look on the stage. Everything else was there, but they stole the keyboard. So me being the tough, smart guy that I am, I went down to that house. <laughs> Wasn't thinking. <laughs> I went down to that house, and I knocked on the door, and guy opened the door, and, you know, kind of gangbanger guy, and and he said, can I help you? I said, yeah, you can help me. I'm the pastor of the church that you robbed. And he was like, hey, we, we didn't rob a church. And I said, yeah, you did. Don't lie. I know you robbed us. Give us back that keyboard or else I'm going to. And I, I said some stuff maybe a pastor shouldn't say <laughs> that I'm not going to say here. But I, I, I said, I said, basically, I'm going to I'm going to beat you up. <laughs> All 150 pounds of me. I'm going to beat you up if you don't give us our stuff back. And, and he was kind of like, all right. <laughs> and then I was like, later. Not right now, but later. <laughs> and then I did this. It was the corniest thing I've ever done besides going to the house. No lie, I did this. I'm watching you. <laughs> I'm not lying. As God is my witness, I did that. I think I saw it in a movie. I'm watching you. And I walked away. And as I walked away, not only did I think, that was stupid. Why did I do that? That was the most untough thing I've ever done in my life. But as I walked away, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and go, good job. What did that accomplish, Tony? And the next day, I, I, I saw the guy. He came walking by the church, and he said, he actually called me pastor. He said, hey, pastor, uh, have you gotten your stuff back yet? And I said, no, I haven't gotten it. Uh, 
And I said, hey, come here. I want, I want to talk to you. And I apologized. I said, I'm sorry about yesterday. Uh, I'm sorry I went there and I accused you guys. Maybe you did steal it. I don't know. Maybe you're totally guilty. But I want you to know that it, if you ever want to come to this church, you don't have to break a hole in the wall. We have a front door. And we have hours. Come during the hours that we're here. It's more legal. And, and, and you're welcome anytime in this church. And obviously, if, if, if you did steal, you obviously are in need. And do you guys need food? Do you have food? And he said, well, we don't really have food. We're kind of struggling because everything. And so I put together a team in our church, and we bought a bunch of food for them. And I sent a, a, a lady in the church, and some people sent them down to the house, and they blessed them with food, and they prayed with them. Everyone in the house received Christ. And then one of the main guys of that house came back to us uh, during our service, and he said, uh, we did not steal your keyboard. We didn't steal it. But we do know who, who did. We're all kind of a gang. And I, I think I intimidated him with my thing. And so, <laughs> so it was either the Holy Spirit or it was, it was my Chuck Norris type physique and everything that got him. And, and so he said, we do know who did, though. And, and I, I don't want to get involved, but they live in this house over here. And he gave me the directions and told me where they live and everything. So, again, I sent that team. Okay, this story is pretty amazing. So I sent this team, blessed them with food. They got the directions. They got the house wrong. So they went to a different house, and they blessed them. And that whole family got saved that's in that house. And they faithfully go to church. We see them every Sunday, all the kids, everybody's coming. And every time we see them, it just cracks me and my wife up because we went to the wrong house. How many of you guys know God has a plan and everything? We went to the wrong house and people still got saved and now they're faithfully going to church. But it didn't help us with the keyboard. And so then I was like, guys, you went to the wrong house. And so we got them to the right house and they prayed with them. And the one guy, actually, he started crying and went in the back room and got the keyboard and he gave it back to us. So we got our keyboard back. And in all of that, people got saved, never got the offering box back. <laughs> so we blessed them with some good plywood and everything. But I, I, it's, it's amazing to us that we, we see these families now in church. Uh, we don't let them count the offering. We don't let them, uh, we don't let them do anything like that. Uh, we, we keep an eye on them still. <laughs> but... <laughs> It's been a blessing to see what God has been doing there and in, in, in through this ministry. And I, I do ask you guys to continue to pray for us um, because, again, we've never, I mean, probably over 120 some people are coming every single Sunday. Uh, and we, with, within the first year during a pandemic, and so it just blows us away. We just keep seeing this growth, and I know that God has more for us. So uh, it's, been, it's been exciting. It's been very exciting for us. Um, Luke chapter 10, I think you guys know this here. I just want to challenge you guys today with something. But in Luke chapter 10, the story of Martha and Mary um, 
Jesus is at the house and he's teaching and Martha is running around serving and doing a bunch of stuff with the 12 disciples and just making sure everybody's fine and everybody's doing stuff. And Mary is at the feet of Jesus listening to the teaching. And Martha gets upset and says, you know, Jesus, say something. I mean, I'm doing everything and, and Mary's not helping and, and she's, she's sitting with you just listening to the teaching. She's sitting at your feet and Verse 41, Luke 10, verse 41, it says, <clears throat> The Lord answered her and he said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Everybody say one thing. Throughout the Bible, we see a kind of a theme uh, with this word or words or phrase, one thing. Uh, and it's, it's, it's there a few times. I haven't, and that's, that's on your notes right now. We see this one thing I ask, one thing you lack, one thing is necessary, one thing I know. And then the Apostle Paul who wrote the words, one thing I do. But in all of this, we see this, this focus that it's really on Jesus. It's on seeking Jesus. And the one thing, the first time we see it is in Psalms 27, verse 4. The psalmist says, One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing, one thing that I have asked, that's to be in the house of God. And I think all of us experienced that last year at some point, God blessed the video stuff. God blessed everything that we were able to do in you guys and other churches. But there's nothing like being in the house of God, worshiping with other people. There's nothing. I tried to tell people in the beginning, hey, everybody, just like Sunday morning, get dressed, shower, have breakfast, prepare your heart, and then get on service. And I think that lasted for maybe two weeks. And I know everybody was in their pajamas, eating cereal, watching service, just typing hearts, you know, just hitting the heart button. You didn't even know what the pastor was saying. You're just hitting the heart button so they know you're there. How many of you guys did that? Raise your hand. Come on. You're, you're, yeah, come on. I know it. My kids. No, not you guys. <laughs> there, there, there just became this kind of complacency, this kind of, yeah. And I'm glad we didn't get used to it. Maybe some did and we need to pray for them, but I'm glad you guys are here today because I, I just began to pray, Lord, there's one thing I ask. I want to get back to the house of God. <laughs> I want to get back to having services. I want to get back to corporate worship. And I want to get back to, to, the, to the reading of the word with the body. David was called a man after God's own heart. And although David could have wanted many things, 
victory over his enemies, the crown on his head. We see him relentlessly return his focus always to God. David sought God more than any earthly treasure. He said, there's one thing that I ask, and that's to be in your presence. In Mark chapter 10, we, we see the words, one thing you lack. The rich young ruler, this guy had everything. He had everything. And Jesus says to him, looking at him, loved him, and said to him, you lack one thing. Because he said, I have everything, and I've done everything, and i am followed all the commandments, and I'm doing everything. And Jesus says, you lack one thing. There's one thing you're missing. Go and sell all that you have, and give it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. And then come and follow me. Again, we see it. Come and seek me. Come and seek my presence. One thing I ask, now there's one thing that you lack. You have everything. We've been okay. But there's one thing people lack, and that's still, again, come follow me. Come and follow me. Don't worry about earthly treasures. Come and follow me, and you will have treasure in heaven. The rich young ruler claimed to be righteous, but his unwilling to give Jesus the one thing he asked for him. The rich young ruler was willing to impress Jesus with his awesome track record, everything that he was doing, but he was unwilling to surrender his status. He was unwilling to surrender all of this stuff that he had. And I, I think I was honest with you guys when I was here last year in, 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 in February that one of the hardest things for us was our house, <laughs> putting our house up for sale and, and everything that we went through. And now we're renting and, and we, still, we still go through that. Our friends, we have some friends that are buying our house there in, in, in Topeka. And they, they've put a down payment and we're giving them some time. We're, we're allowing them some time, the, the financing and everything's been done legitimately with a lawyer and everything, but they, they haven't given us the full amount yet. And, you know, we see them putting up pictures and, you know, oh, look at us in our garden. And, and I'm, I'm like, that's my garden is what my first thought. <laughs> Wait, it's not your garden, that's my garden until you pay for it, that's still my garden. <laughs> Those thoughts go through my head. There's, there's something in us of these earthly possessions that, that give us this sense of, sense of I don't know, our, our well-being or our sense of identity. And this rich young ruler, he had everything in his riches. He had his whole identity. He had everything. And Jesus says, you, lack, you have everything and great job, but you lack one thing. Forget all of that and come seek me. One thing is necessary in Luke chapter 10. It's what I started out sharing with Martha. You're anxious and troubled about many things, but there's one thing that's necessary. We can get so busy in doing the work of the Lord that we forget about the Lord. Our schedules and our, our, our programs and our many things. And like I said, guys, I, I had this whole plan. God, I've planted some churches before. This is how we're going to do it. <laughs> 
and I got busy right away with this is how we're doing it. And, 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 and I don't know, maybe it took a world pandemic for God to get my attention and go, Tony, here, how about we do it this way? <laughs> One thing is necessary, Tony, just seek me, just seek me, just pray. When we started back up again in August, I started Wednesday night. We just started prayer meetings. That was all we were doing. We were meeting on Sundays, but Wednesday, midweek, everyone was used to a midweek service. And I said, we're just going to pray. We're just going to put on worship music and we're just going to pray. And there was new people coming in and even people that had come from other churches that weren't open. They were coming to meeting with us and, and, and they said, well, yeah, but like, what, what are we going to do in, in the service? I said, we're praying. It's a prayer service. Right, but what, are you going to share? No, it's a prayer service. And it, and it really, I, I saw something that I, people don't know how to pray. For one hour, just walking and praying. Because we get, we get busy, we want something. Well, someone's got to preach, or there's got to be something going on, or someone's got to juggle, someone has to do something. No, we're just going to pray, just seek God. And we saw our, our, our Wednesday night started growing, people coming in. But I, I can't believe how many people said to me, well, what else do we do? And we just pray. It's even a challenge for me. I don't know if you guys have prayed for one hour, maybe prayed for more, I don't know. But have you ever like, okay, I'm gonna pray. I'm just gonna start praying, man, we're gonna pray. And you pray, you start, oh God, you pour out your spirit. You're just praying, you pray for everyone you know, you pray for your family, you pray for the church, you pray for the pandemic, you start praying for Africa, you start praying for other nations. God, pour out your spirit and you're just going and, and then you're tired. You're like, oh, I prayed. And you look at your watch and it's like three minutes and you're like, holy cow. <laughs> Three minutes went by. I literally, there's nothing else to pray for. I prayed for everything. That was it. Three minutes. How many of that's happened? Is that, am I the only person, anybody that's happened to you? Like, holy cow. We're praying an hour. We have 57 minutes. Now what am I going to do? And then you just walk around with your hands up. You know, you don't know what to do. Seek God. One thing is necessary. <laughs> she's worried about meals. She's worried about serving all of these people. Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet. And Jesus responds to her complaint by saying, you're anxious and troubled about many things and about serving. But, but there's one thing that you're missing right now. You're missing the most important thing. And that's, again... It's me. You guys see a pattern here with each thing. It's, it's seek me. One thing I know, John 9, 25. I love this. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible of the blind man, blind from birth who receives sight. And everybody's arguing about, well, why? Why were you blind? And this, this man that... that that healed you as a sinner and, and why did he heal you? And they get the parents involved and the Pharisees just want to get to the bottom of this. Why? why? What happened? 
Is it your fault that, that you were born blind? Is it your parents' fault? Why is this sinner healing you? And, and, and who was it that did it? And who did this? And what's going on? And why did he do this on the Sabbath? And why is this going on? And, and, and they asked the guy, is, is that the man who did it? Is that this guy? He's a sinner and he healed you. And the blind man says, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. But one thing I do know is that I was blind and now I see. How many of you guys love that verse? There's so many times in life we can't get into a theological argument with some people and we can't, we're seeing that more and more nowadays with different situations and, and politically and different things where we're arguing with people and, 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 and we can't get anywhere. There's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes. People are hard-hearted. But me and you have a testimony. I don't know. I have no idea how, how we're going to get in this. I just, I know that I was blind and now I see. I know I had an experience with Jesus Christ and he's changed my life. That's all I know. That's powerful. Your testimony is powerful. People have asked me, how did you do this? How did you plant a church during a pandemic? I don't know. I don't know how I've planted the other 13 churches that we've planted. I have no idea. Someone say, hey, Tony, when are you going to write a book about church planting? It's going to be, I, I, I don't know what to say in the book. You know, how embarrassing. I went to a house and I told the guy, I'm going to beat you up. And I did this. And that's chapter four of my book. And everyone's going to be like, who's this guy? Why are we listening to him about church planning? He's threatening the neighbors. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's the grace of God. I have a testimony that I was blind and now I see that, that I was a sinner and now God is using me in a powerful way. I was probably the least likely person to be a pastor or a missionary, but now 20 years later, we've planted churches. I don't know. But one thing I do know is that I was blind and now I see. Your testimony is powerful. It really is. <laughs> when interrogated by the religious leaders, he doesn't present a well-prepared speech. Uh, he doesn't even get intimidated. He simply tells his story. He was blind, but now he sees. And in response to this, Jesus declares the blind man seeing and the religious leaders blind. And not only that, I love it at the end of the story, the blind man, if you guys are familiar with this story in John, the blind man who now can see says to him, why? Do you guys want to be his disciples too? <laughs> Isn't it awesome? Ignorance is bliss, I guess, is that saying? He didn't know. He had no idea what was going on. He's, hey, do you guys also want to be his followers? And they were like, ah. We can do a bunch of theological stuff and scientific stuff, but there's nothing like a testimony of what God's done in your life. And the last thing, one thing I do, Philippians 3, 13 and 14, the Apostle Paul says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing that I do do, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind 
in straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. <laughs> the Apostle Paul didn't let the baggage of his past dictate his goal. He was focused. He knew his goal. He wasn't going to waver. This Pharisee of Pharisees who had everything going for him laid down his life to follow Jesus. And he says, there's, there's, there's one thing that I do. I don't have everything together and I don't know everything and, and I'm not sure what's going to happen. And we started out our year this year, 2021, with the series called Moving Forward. And it was based off of this because I told the congregation, I said, guys, I don't, I don't know, honestly. My plan last year didn't work very well. And, and, and I, I don't know how, how good of a plan I have for this year. But one thing I do know is we're going to forget what was behind us and we're just going to move forward. That's it. That's all I know what we're doing. We're moving forward. And we're going to keep our doors open. Because I, I, I talked to a lot of pastors, a lot of people. I said, don't make any plans for 2021. We don't know what's going to happen. Don't fill your calendar up. Don't, don't do a marriage thing. Don't do that. We don't know who's going to show up and maybe you're going to have to cancel and maybe, and I, I, I can't live that way. I can't do that. We're just moving forward. I'll put it, no one shows up, no one shows up. I have a romantic dinner with my wife. Amen. That's how I thought. Maybe no one will show up. Me and I were saying I'll have a nice romantic dinner. <laughs> one thing that I do Forgets what, forgetting what is behind, and, and, and I love it. He says, I, I strive, I strain to move forward. It's, it's an effort to go forward. I'm not just casually floating along and just, no, I'm straining to move forward. I'm excited about 2021. I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited. I'm, I'm straining, I'm moving forward. Because I know the prize. I've run some races. I know the prize is for those that finish. There's no, well, you participated. You get your trophy. No, you got to finish. I strive to, to, to move forward. <laughs> one thing I ask, one thing you lack, one thing is necessary, one thing I know, and one thing that I do. These five Phrases of one thing, they all revolve around seeking Jesus Christ. We have our organization, Heart for Mexico. Um, it's La Fuente Ministries in the state side. Our nonprofit is Heart for Mexico. And it's a church, we're a church planting organization. We have a heart for Mexico. And I started this year off of, of, with this, this one thing. And I really felt the Lord. I said, God, what do you want me to do? And this, Tony, one thing, just seek me. And I want all of you guys here. I want you. I mean, that's, that's what we do. And that's what I'm doing this morning, transmitting my heart to you guys. I want you guys to have a heart for Mexico as well. Of course I do. A heart for the nations. I thank you that you're, you're a church that gives to missions. It's not, you guys, it's not 
a thing anymore with a lot of churches, unfortunately. As, as my wife and I are getting older and more time on the mission field and I see new people coming out, the, the, the churches supporting foreign missions is not a big thing anymore. Support local things or do different things, but, but world missions that, and I, I've had many people say, well, well, why doesn't just your organization pay you? Why doesn't the church there pay you? Well, I am the organization, for one. That's what I'm doing here. I, just, I am Heart for Mexico. I made it. It's not like they hired me. And we worked out a salary and a vacation package and all that. I don't, I don't have that. We made Heart for Mexico. And then I, I don't want the church there paying me. I want to pay pastors there. And, and so traditionally, we're missionaries and we get supported by churches in, in the States. And thank you guys. I, I pray that you keep that up. In, in the way that you do that, listen to me, guys, the way that you get a heart for Mexico is praying for Mexico. And this is something that God put on my heart. And, and, and I just want to share this to, to, to end here soon that. I want to challenge you guys to begin to pray for Mexico. Maybe you've never done it. Maybe you've said a quick prayer of God. Well, God bless Mexico. God bless the Simons. That's awesome. It's very generic, but it's awesome. Thank you for doing that. You're like a priest, you know, God bless the Simons. I want you guys to pray for us, to truly pray for us, to truly pray for Mexico. Mexico is an incredibly rich, awesome country. But we've had to deal with cartels. We've had to deal with poverty. We've had to deal with corruption in the government. We've had to deal with these things. And so I... I was challenged with this of going to churches and actually teaching them how to pray for Mexico. So we have a video here that I want to put on for you guys really quick. Father, we thank you for all the blessings you have bestowed upon Mexico. Thank you for this beautiful land you created for us to enjoy for its people and its wonderful culture. But Lord, we cry out since we have been stricken with violence, crime, corruption, and terror. We ask for your protection, especially for our children, young people whose future is being stolen. We pray for the leaders in our country that they may know you and live righteous lives. We pray for prosperity, especially for those who live in extreme poverty, single mothers, and families in need. We pray that your gospel may be preached freely and those who live under the bondage of religiosity and the weight of fear, guilt, and condemnation. We thank you for the open doors you set before us and all of those who come to know you. We pray for salvation for new churches, and that your kingdom is established in Mexico. 
We pray for more leaders that work to both flourish our society and advance your work in this nation. We ask for missionaries, for pastors, for teachers, for more brave men and women that have a heart for this country and will serve you with their lives. That you would flood this nation with protection, with prosperity and most of all your presence. We pray for peace, for joy and for love. For we know that you have a heart for Mexico. On the back table, I have these cards. It says, pray for Mexico. And on the back, I just have a few things of how you guys could actually pray for Mexico. Right off of the video there. Pray for the love and forgiveness of Jesus to overpower the strongholds of crime, violence, and corruption. Pray for government leaders to repent of corruption and seek God. Pray for empty religious traditions to be replaced by radical discipleship. Pray for new churches to be planted in cities and in surrounding pueblos. Pray for the missionaries in Mexico. Pray for the local pastors facing persecution and pray for the local economy of Mexico. Obviously, there's other areas, maybe people that you guys know that you could be praying for. But I, I, I want to challenge you guys to grab one of these cards and have it on you and just just. Begin to pray for Mexico. You want a heart for a place? I believe that it starts with prayer. It starts with that one thing that God has been speaking to me. It starts with seeking God. Everything else flows out of that. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will follow. We also have on the back table uh, just a new kind of missionary card. Uh, it's, it's been years since I've done this. I don't know why I stopped, but it's a new updated picture of the family. I think the old one we have, we're holding our kids. That's how old it was. So uh, we have a new, new prayer card, and we put magnets on them. So you guys could, old school, put up a missionary on your fridge. That's old school stuff. I don't see that anymore, but do that. And we got magnets on there. Don't rip the magnets off. Put it up on your fridge. And you see us when you go to eat. Bigger people pray for us more. You eat more. You see us up there. You go to get your eggs in the morning and there we are. Go to prepare lunch. There we are again. Dinner time. Simon family. You guys with me? Pray for us. On the back, we have kind of where we are at now in Mexico. Some of you guys have asked. Took Pastor Bob 18 years to learn to peak, to learn to say to peak, and now he's got to say aguas calientes. So pray for him. <laughs> pray for him as well. But that's all on, on, that, on that back table there. I'd like you guys to, to grab those and just pray for us. Can the worship team come on up here? One thing, guys. Let's seek the Lord this year. Seek the Lord. Obviously, I want you praying for the United States, and I know you guys need to pray for this country where you're at. But don't lose focus of world missions. John Erickson and Jeannie in Africa, and 
other missionaries that you guys supported that are in different places. We need your prayer. We need your prayer. And I know that's seeking the Lord, and we see this throughout there. You're doing everything great, but you're missing one thing. Seek me. Pray. Call out to me. Know that God has something special for every single one of us. Can you guys stand with me this morning and pray for you? This year I've seen, this past year, I've seen God do so many amazing things in spite of, of me <laughs> and my shortcomings and different things. God's showed me a new way of loving people and showed me a new way of doing stuff. And he showed me a new way of just dependence on him. 100% dependence on him. And, it, and it, it comes out of that one thing of just, Tony, seek me. Pray. And that was one of my biggest things of, well, I want, God, I want everyone to have a heart for Mexico. And I felt the Lord speak to me and say, then, then they need to pray pray for Mexico first and you'll get that heart Lord we thank you for what you're doing we thank you for Mexico we thank you for what a wonderful country it is and all that we've seen over the years and we do pray for our government leaders there in Mexico the corruption and the cartels and all of this stuff that we've seen and poverty and different things lord we we pray for your spirit to be poured out on mexico we pray for families to be changed we pray for missionaries and pastors to preach the gospel there with boldness i pray also for the united states of america this change that we've seen in the culture over these years lord i pray for a conviction in people's hearts to know you a conviction in people's hearts to seek you above all else and we come against the enemy and all that he's tried to do or is trying to do to lie and to confuse people especially youth And we declare your love and your righteousness and your forgiveness over this land. We love you, Jesus, and we know that you are truly the only answer. We see in your word that you boldly declare, I am the way, the truth, and the light. And no one comes to the Father except through you. Lord, we pray that people here can know you. We pray for our government leaders here that they may know you and that they may also have a conviction in their hearts. And that one thing above all else, that one thing that we begin to seek you. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.